Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen. We're thankful that you're joining us tonight. We hope that you enjoy the show we've got planned for you. And tonight's show actually could be called Polygamy, What Grace Is This? You know, the song Amazing Grace remains a favorite hymn amongst Christians and non-Christians alike. It was published in 1779. And the uh, composer of the song was John Newton, who led a wretched life for many years. He was a sailor. He became involved in the slave, pra- uh, slave trade, and then he himself was captured and became a slave. He converted to Christianity, and then later he became a strong supporter of the abolition of slavery. In his song, Amazing Grace, he wrote about himself being a wretch who was saved by nothing but God's amazing grace. Indeed, all of us are wretches and can be saved only by God's grace. And anyone who tries to be saved by earning God's grace will instead remain lost to God's grace and will uh, be shut out from heaven for eternity. The format of our show is first and foremost to bring biblical truths to polygamous so that in hearing what the Bible has to say about sin and the Savior and salvation, they will study for themselves to learn and understand that polygamy cannot and does not save or help save anyone. The Bible says we're saved by grace. Yet many people from this culture, polygamists as well as LDS people, truly have no clue what the biblical definition and the application of God's saving grace is, how it applies in real life and in eternal life, and how a person can appropriate God's saving grace. You know, we can never truly exhaust the subject of God's grace. We've talked about grace on our show in the past, and we'll probably talk about it again in the future, and we're going to discuss it tonight. Because polygamists need to know that it isn't polygamy that gets us into heaven, but grace and grace alone. Works cannot affect our quest for eternal life. Polygamy cannot take the place of grace, nor can polygamy even have place with grace. Our guest for this discussion on grace has been here before, and so I'd like to introduce and welcome again to our show, former Mormon, previous guest, and our dear friend, Pastor Ross Anderson. Thank you, Pastor Ross, for coming. Well, thanks for having me. I love it. Again, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. You're, you're a former Mormon. I am. And because you're a former Mormon, you understand the difficulty of the Mormon mindset in the, the meaning, uh, the biblical mm. meaning of God's grace. And you're also a pastor. Yes. And so being a pastor, you've got the training and the experience of how to apply biblical mm-hmm. truths. And, and so I think we're going to have a good discussion uh, tonight with your expertise on this. Uh, first of all, you tell us what church you're a pastor and how someone could get a hold of you if they want to contact yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for asking about that. I'm one of the pastors at Alpine Church. We have several locations in northern Utah, Davis County, Weber County, um, and north of there as well. 
Um, they could find uh, us at alpinechurch.org. Mm. Simply, that's all there's to it, and uh, and um, we can f uh, hook up with them at that point if mm -hmm. they reach out through our website. Okay, our so email. to email or phone calls or, yeah. or church times and whatever. Yeah, the, all that's on, on the website. Okay, mm -hmm. alpinechurch.com. Okay, good. Dot org. Or dot org, yes. excuse me. Mm -hmm. Dot org, yeah, I see that right there. Okay, uh, it, and it was a few months ago that we were having an email conversation about grace, and, mm -hmm. and you brought out an analogy that just hit me, and I thought, we need to talk about this on the show. And so it was because of that conversation that um, we've decided to talk again to our polygamous viewers and to this culture about God's saving grace and to have a fresh conversation about it. So let's begin first by defining as simply as we can to our viewers, what mm -hmm. is grace? That's important because we throw that word around a lot and, and people aren't sure what it means. There's different definitions. The biblical definition, if we're going off the nature of that word, the biblical word for grace, the New Testament word grace, it's related to the word for gift. So grace is unconditional favor. It's God's generosity. Grace, grace is the kindness and mercy of God that He gives His gifts unconditionally. Now, in this culture, when I speak to Mormons and others who think like them, I think it's important to define grace a little more focused than that. And so a definition that I use that I, to help people understand that is Grace is acceptance by God without regard to our performance. In other words, God uh, receives us just because He loves us, mm -hmm. regardless of whether we've measured up or all the things that we did or didn't do. Mm -hmm. it's, he, he accepts us without regard to how well we've done. In other words, don't work for grace because you can't. You can. In, in two, that two, sense. We'll talk about it in a, in a few minutes, but mm -hmm. there are really two different and opposite approaches that mm -hmm. are incompatible with each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, so why don't, why don't we talk about some examples of how to illustrate uh, mm -hmm. the application of grace and what that means mm -hmm. to humans. Yeah, well, one of the things that comes to me first is I'm a parent, and, and, and I think of the way that my father treated me and the way that I've treated my kids, um, that sometimes my dad would just take us out for ice cream regardless of whether we had finished our chores, mm -hmm. just because he loved us. And so he gave us a treat. He gave us, um, you know, he gave us a roof over our head and fed us every day and so forth. And we didn't earn that or work for that as his children. Mm -hmm. Yes, we contributed around the household as part of being a family, but, but, but we didn't earn what our parents provided. Um, and, and I feel that same way toward my kids. I went out this afternoon, my daughter and I went to a movie. And um, I paid for the movie. Wow. But I didn't ask her to do something in return. Yeah. I just wanted to bless her. I wanted to spend time with her. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, think, I think parents, you know, we give our kids gifts at their birthday or maybe Christmas or whatever different uh, customs families have. But parents give gifts to their kids unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Growing up, um, I never received a birthday gift that had strings attached that said, if you, you can have this gift, if for the rest of the year you do your chores. <laughs> or you don't get this gift, even though it's your birthday, because you didn't do your chores. Now, I think God is a more generous father yes, than I am. absolutely. You know, I think he's a far more <clears throat> generous father than me. And so those are all expressions of grace, because um, I get a gift. I, I'm, I'm accepted by my parents 
regardless of whether mm -hmm. I always do the right thing or always obey them. Mm -hmm. um, often, and, and, and I'm saying this from experience growing up in a polygamy group, God's grace, or God's love was conditional. Mm -hmm. The parents' love to us was conditional. Mm -hmm. It definitely was. And I did receive gifts that I was expected to pay for. I mean, mm -hmm. you be good or I'll take that gift back mm -hmm. kind okay. of thing. I've seen, yeah. that's happened. Yeah. That's happened with uh, at Christmas. I remember one particular time one of the kids were threatened and did have their gifts mm -hmm. removed because, mm -hmm. uh, so the, the unconditional grace in a, at least in the context that I was raised in yeah. polygamy, was conditional. Yeah, and I'd it say was. that most people would look at that and when they see that kind of conditionality attached to love or relationship, most people in society, just common sense, would dictate that that's dysfunctional. Yeah. There's something kind of sick and, and, and manipulative about that. And, and you can't, yeah. uh, when, you, when you grow up in that kind of conditional mm -hmm. love, then it's very difficult to understand God's love. Yes, that and makes and this sense. culture does give God's love as being conditional. They say He loves us, but then they'll say that something like, "Oh, Heavenly Father is so disappointed in you, you know, if right. you do or don't do something." Mm -hmm. So, so the conditional is there. Um, now, God offers salvation only on the basis of grace, right? This is the thing. Once we understand a definition of what grace is, mm -hmm. acceptance without regard to performance then the next step that we need to understand is that this is the basis of salvation, mm -hmm. that we receive salvation. In other words, we're accepted eternally. This is the big question. This is the ultimate question. How can a person be right with God? Mm -hmm. How can I be forgiven of my sins? How can I live with God for eternity? And because of the nature of God, because He is a gracious being, mm -hmm. the answer to that question is based on the generosity and grace of God. Before we go further with this, I know that the definition of salvation <clears throat> in, in this culture, again, varies. Yes. So when we talk about salvation t on this show mm -hmm. and that the biblical salvation, let's clarify what yeah. salvation is That's for good. our viewers when we talk mm -hmm. about we're saved by grace. Mm -hmm. Salvation is, what is salvation? Salvation is God created us for a relationship with Him. We wandered away from God by our, through our sin that we autonomously sought to rule our own lives. And so we were separated from God as rebels against Him. And so we've been, we, and so each one of us individually continues to choose to rebel against God in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But God reached out to us and God continued to try to have relationship with us. He provided a way for us to know Him again. Jesus Christ came, died, lived the perfect sinless life, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, mm -hmm. rose again on the third day, and He lives today, so that He provided a way that we could be bridged back to God again, that our sins could be forgiven, and therefore mm -hmm. we could be restored to relationship with God again. So when we talk about salvation, it's how do I experience that reconciliation to God, that forgiveness of sins, that new life, that puts me in relationship with God both now and forever. And forever. So for it's forever. So eternal life would be the way we speak it. Eternal life and salvation are synonymous. Yes, we would. Eternal say that. life and let's say the celestial kingdom, uh, if you will, is also synonymous with salvation. With salvation, it doesn't mean just that we'd be resurrected. Right. Right. It means that we means actually that go to live in heaven forever with God. Exactly. Okay, so, so if we're saved only by grace, then we do not get into heaven 
by any kind of works whatsoever. It's grace alone. It's grace alone. It's all grace. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, now you had some scriptures that you wanted to use here. God's, uh, the answer, of course, like you said, is God's gift of grace, Acts 15, uh, 5 through 11. Uh, do you want to read that or do you want me to yeah, I can, we can I can put read it up that. on the screen? Um, how they were dealing with it in the early church. Yeah, this is a question that arose. It says, here it is, there arose... There rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, in other words, these Jewish people became followers of Christ, mm -hmm. saying that it was needful to circumcise them, the Gentiles, and to command the Gentiles to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, now therefore why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So the issue there was the, all the first Christians were Jewish. And mm -hmm. so they were accustomed to following the traditional law of Moses. Now Gentiles were coming to faith in Christ. And so the debate was, do they need to also follow the law of Moses in order to be fully qualified as, as Christians? And some of the traditionalist Jews were saying that, yes, they did. We, it's good enough for us. It's good mm. enough for them. Uh -huh. And Peter stood up and said, no. He said, he put it into perspective. He said, no, that law, we could never fulfill it. Our forefathers couldn't fulfill it. It's a yoke around our neck. Uh -huh. Why do we want to lay that on now on people who are coming to God? How do we, why do we want to create an obstacle or a barrier for them? Yeah. And so he concludes by saying, no, it's by grace. It's through the grace, through of, the grace the of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it illustrates there's two alternative ways to go. There's the way of works, of keeping the law, mm -hmm. and there's the way of grace. And it can't, and it can't be both. Mm -hmm. can't be, it can't be both. You can't mix the two. And then Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, uh, is another passage that explains the kindness of, of God and our works of righteousness. Yeah, it really makes the same point, but from a little bit of a different point of view. He says, After that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us mm -hmm. by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. Just a moment before I go on. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we've done. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you can say that any more clearly right. than what that says. Uh, whatever those works of righteousness not whatever, might be, yeah. and different groups around the world have their own set. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's certain commandments or certain rituals or whatever, and each group has their own set. But it's the same principle: right. works of righteousness. So he goes on in verse six by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us, which He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Wow. The word justified means to be declared righteous by God. To be declared righteous. And so yeah. how am I justified? Mm -hmm. How am I made right with God? He says, by faith, by faith, not by works of righteousness. Not by, and it's very clear, not by works it's of righteousness. crystal clear. So, so we, can anybody become righteous by works? No. The Bible makes that pretty clear too. Um, in fact, if in the next passage we have from Romans chapter 3, it says it very clearly in verse 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. 
Mm-hmm. By keeping these righteous rules and regulations, whatever they might be, whether that's the law of Moses, whether it's some other religious law that's been put in, in, the, in the place of the law of Moses, mm-hmm. the principle of law does not lead to us being right with God. He says, but for the law is the knowledge of, by the law is the knowledge of sin. The, the law has a function, mm-hmm. an important function to show us how much we need a Savior. Because yeah. when we really take the law seriously, Shows us how wrong we, are, huh? we, we can't live up to it. <laughs> yeah. But its function is not to be justified by God. See, but he says, but instead, now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. In other words, he's, there's a way to be right with God, he says, but it's apart from the law. Mm-hmm. It's been witnessed without to us the by law. the law and the prophets. And he, what righteousness is that? Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith. Mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. There's mm-hmm. no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the, and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. This is the same language, same language. that was used in mm-hmm. Titus through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so they're justified freely. You don't, justified is, is being made righteous. It's free by freely. His grace mm-hmm. and it's not through works but through our Savior Jesus through, through Christ. Jesus Christ. And see, that's the faith. What that illustrates there is what's the appropriate response to God's grace. Mm-hmm. If salvation is by the law or by works of righteousness, then the appropriate response is to obey and fulfill those works. Mm-hmm. But if I can be right with God only by His grace, then the appropriate response to grace is faith, Mm -hmm. to rest Mm -hmm. in or trust in Mm -hmm. the gift that's been given to me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, And uh, many people in the culture think that, and I know I thought this, that the law, and that that would be the Ten Commandments Mm -hmm. plus plus whatever laws they had, would if I it was like the each rung of the ladder was a law and you keep learn to keep this one and then this one and pretty soon you've learned to keep them all and you step into heaven mm-hmm. kind of thing but I learned as a Christian in in the Bible study that it's not the rungs of the ladder Jesus is the ladder right. not the law right. Jesus Christ is the ladder himself and he's right. not even one of the rungs he is the entire we have to be in Christ or mm-hmm. the only way to yeah. get into heaven almost like uh I like an escalator more than a ladder. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because on a ladder, I still have to work hard to climb. But but it's (laughs) a great illustration in this is you better make sure you're on the right ladder and the right and the ladder's leaning against the right wall. Exactly. Yeah, because it's going to be a sad thing when you get Mm -hmm. the end of your life and find out you've been on the wrong ladder. Yeah. And headed in the wrong direction. So uh, the appropriate response to grace is faith, and that's trusting in the goodness of the giver. That's right, and in the and in the um, in the the giver, the goodness of the giver, and in the trustworthiness of the giver. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, I tell you, I just put a thousand dollars in your bank account. What are you going to go do? Christmas shopping. You're going to go spend <laughs> it on something. Okay, that is, if the, if you trust me that I told you the truth, that I really had the thousand dollars to put in your bank account, uh-huh. you'd you'd go spend it. If you didn't trust me, then you know you would. For just you'd assume that the money isn't there. So the point is that if I gave you a gift, the thing you do is trust me for it. Mm-hmm. I, I, what if you had a friend who, um, a friend you offered to do take care of something for you, 
And if you trusted the friend, then you relax and let, let him do it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you go start working on it yourself. You it yourself. I thought of this illustration. Um, I have a house that I rent to some people, that renters live in it. And, and so when they moved in, before they moved in, I, went, I wanted to get a background check, a credit check on them. Mm -hmm. And so I have a friend who runs a business that he has the capacity to do that. So I called up my friend and said, hey, could you run a credit check on this family? I'll give you the info and so forth like that. And he said, sure, I'll take care of it. Okay, so at that point in time, he makes a promise to me. Mm -hmm. It's a gift. He, did not, he didn't say I had to pay him or anything for it. Mm -hmm. So I have a decision. I can trust him or not to trust him. Yeah. If I trust him, then I relax and wait till the credit check comes back. If I don't trust him, then I start working on a credit check. Yeah. So, so really, his gift, my response is faith, not going to work and trying to make it happen myself, he said he would, it would happen. I trust him that it would happen. Mm -hmm. And our faith is really only as good as the object of our faith. Mm -hmm. The trustworthiness, like you said, of the person who is giving you the gift. So mm -hmm. we can trust God because he's the ultimate trustworthy he's person. Absolutely trustworthy. And if he says he'll do it, he'll do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But he'll only do it his way. That's, he won't, yeah. he won't mm -hmm. let us tweak it to be our way and his way. It's only his way. Right. And that's grace alone, Absolutely. without faith at all. So Ephesians, which is always our favorite verse, um, again, when we talk about these things and we're talking about eternal life or salvation, it's all the same thing, which is eternity in heaven with God. So Ephesians, actually, these verses have a lot to do with my salvation because these are well, the ones I found before I became a Christian. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. He says, by grace are you saved. Mm -hmm. The response is faith. Mm -hmm. faith, uh, faith is a vehicle, it's a response. Faith is not a good work right. that I muster up. It's just simply receiving the gift. He says, it's not of yourselves, it's all of God. It's gift to God. It's his gift. Mm -hmm. Not of works, stuff's any. And, and the, the caution is there about boasting. Mm-hmm. Because if you work, we're going to boast. And you know what? Uh, a good, a, a works-oriented salvation will always produce boasting. Even right. in the most humble human, we will boast if we think that we're getting saved by good works. And I want to use an example right here of Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith claimed he had more to boast about than any man. He said even Jesus failed to yeah. keep his church together like Joseph Smith did. So he was boast, doing this boasting that the Bible mm -hmm. condemns, yeah. actually. Yeah. And it is. It's natural. There's even, a, I mean, people who aren't, aren't maybe um, aware of it even, or they're not consciously boasting, there's sometimes, there's often this spirit mm -hmm. of arrogance, mm -hmm. a spirit of self-superiority that just comes across. Yeah, Donald Barnhouse, um, you're probably familiar mm -hmm. with him. He said, I listened to a sermon, he says, God will not have his heaven full of strutting roosters cock-doodling around. Look what I did to get here. <laughs> that's the way he explained it. But that's basically that's, the way it is. It's a colorful <laughs> way to do it, but that's very true. <laughs> okay, so I love this next part that, um, that actually is, comes from your notes. Appreciating grace depends on understanding human inability. Mm -hmm. You really, you don't appreciate it till you right. understand our inability. Right. right. If you don't, if I offer you a gift and you don't feel like you need it, then you don't appreciate it. You won't even maybe receive it. Like some of the gifts you, that you maybe are offered 
uh, at the store when they want you to buy something. Well, yeah. I don't need your little pen that has your name on it or whatever. Yeah. It's, the, the gift isn't worthwhile if you don't feel a need for it. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a great illustration of that. One time uh, at our church, we were handing out bottles of cold water at the local community celebration. Every summer, the city we were living in has their festival. And so as a church, we were handing out free water to everybody because we wanted to bless the community and it was a hot day. And plus we wanted to demonstrate grace. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to give you a gift mm -hmm. and it just hopefully gives you a taste, a flavor of the grace of God in salvation. We're going to give you a gift, no strings attached. Hope you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Well, I was out there at the booth one day and one guy walks by and I offer him, would you like an ice cold bottle of water? He says, no. Hmm. Well, he took the bottle first. He was going to take the bottle first, and then he reaches in his pocket to pay me a dollar. Mm. And oh I said, no, it's free. I said, you can't have it for a dollar. You can only <laughs> have it if you take it free. And he kind of got his feathers ruffled a little bit, and he uh -huh. said, "He said, well, I, I only take what I can pay for. Wow. Well, well, that's, that's a little bit of that arrogance that we were is. talking about a minute ago. But, but what I realized, the point was, if... It was really hot, and he was really thirsty, and he didn't have a penny in his pocket. He probably would have took the he water bottle. He would have bottle. appreciated he that have more because his need was be greater. And but you know that's so true with people that are offered God's grace, and they say, "No, I won't take it. I'll work for it, but I won't mm -hmm. take it for free." Yep. Yeah. Same thing. Very sad. Very mm -hmm. sad. You said uh, the person who recognizes their need does not have an objection to grace. I love that. I'd like to talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit because we get this all the time. You get it. I'm sure you mm -hmm. do. We do on the show and in other parts of the ministry where people will say um, that, that, that it's, well, every objection you can think of, but they object to grace, 100% mm -hmm. grace. They object to that. They say you have to earn grace. Well, that's a contradiction that's in, yeah. in terms. Yeah. But if a person who recognizes their need doesn't object to grace, all these people who are objecting to it are not recognizing their great need for it. Absolutely. That's right. If they think that they're, they can be worthy, they think they can climb the ladder. Yeah. When re back to the ladder analogy, really, if, if the law or if works was the ladder, then at some point people have to realize that they can't even get on, on rung one. Yeah, you know, exactly. They can't even get on, on the first rung. Mm -hmm. Now, they think they can. That's the problem. As long as you think you can, then, then you don't feel like you need someone to lift you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to the top. I thought of, uh, when, when I saw your notes there, I thought of Luke chapter 7, verses 40, uh, starting at verse 40, where Jesus said, he answered Simon. He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said, and then up to verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves much little. Mm -hmm. We all have a huge debt to God. Some people don't realize how huge their debt That's is right. and so they, they, there's little love for mm -hmm. this, even this conversation yeah. because they don't think they need it. Yeah. But that's the one who is in the greater debt, is the yeah. one who needs it. That's right. It's, it's like the analogy I often hear people use 
is um, if you're out in the middle of the ocean, far from land, and you're drowning, yeah. what do you need? You don't need someone to come along and show you how to swim. You yeah. don't need an example. Don't do this, yeah. you know. Yeah. You don't need someone to come along and read to you this, the swimming lesson manual. Yeah. You're going under for the third time, and, and somebody's going like, swim a little harder, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the works approach. That's the, how many religions are. Mm -hmm. What you need is someone to grab you, pull you out of the water, and put you on the boat. Right. But back to our, our point is that most people don't think they're drowning. That's right. They, they don't, don't know they're think lost. They're that far from the shore. They don't know they're lost, and and they and and they say one approach to use is how can you how can someone recognize they need to be saved if they don't first know they're lost? Mm -hmm. And that's the whole right. world is lost. Yeah. Everybody is lost. What about grace and justice? Well, that's another objection that people make that I've heard sometimes is that um, if God is really a just God, He can't just wave away our sin. Yeah. You know, He can't just say, "Oh, I choose to forgive you." And um, it doesn't matter if there's any consequences for your sin or any penalty for your sin. And so really the doctrine of grace, if it's not properly understood, puts the justice of God in, at peril in a sense. God has to still be just or he wouldn't still be God. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that's kind of the objection that people make as well. You didn't earn it, so therefore you, can't, you shouldn't get it. Or... Or you, yeah. or you blew it, so you should have to pay the penalty. That mm -hmm. would only be fair. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, God is, God's justice is still valid because the penalty was paid. Right. The debt was paid by someone else. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how God can be just and at the same time be merciful. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, yes ju justice requires a debt to be paid. It requires you know, a penalty for sin. That penalty was paid on our behalf. Um, in our place mm -hmm. by Jesus Christ. And it was paid, and it's not cheap grace, because it was very costly. It was very costly to Him. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it wasn't just uh, that now instead of owing the debt to someone else, now we owe it to Jesus. That, that's a misnomer, mm -hmm. or a misconception, I should say. But now instead the debt is canceled. Totally canceled. Completely on our behalf. removed on our behalf. If we'll take it. For those who will humble themselves and receive it. Okay. Now let's jump to... Um, um, Romans, we, you have a couple of verses here that you wanted to talk about. And we were going to compare the, the NIV with the King James so that you could get a full understanding to our viewers of what the passage is teaching. Yeah, this is the King James language here is a little bit challenging. I respect the King James version of the Bible, but nobody talks that way anymore. So, all right, in King James, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. In other words, God said, the, pro the word propitiation, nobody knows what that means. Yeah. So the NIV says a sacrifice of atonement. Mm -hmm. That helps us understand. He's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus mm -hmm. through which redemption was accomplished. But it says that God did this to demonstrate His justice. He says He, he, he's, he forbears our sin. He, he doesn't have to punish our sin, but He demonstrates His justice through this sacrifice of atonement. So the very last verse says, so that He can be just, 
but at the same time, he can also justify. Mm -hmm. God can still be just, and he can also be the God who, who calls people righteous and declares and forgives our sins. Mm -hmm. So because a sacrifice of atonement was made, was made. on our behalf. And, and he made the sacrifice. He paid the penalty mm -hmm. that he declared that we needed to mm -hmm. pay. He did it for us God for took us the himself. initiative. God took care of everything. Our response, again, is to trust yeah. in his gracious gift. A hundred percent. Not impart him and us, part us. And, and that's the thing him. about trust is if I'm really trusting, like I said, if I trusted my friend to do the background check mm -hmm. and then I went out and did it myself, well, I'm not really trusting in him. I could say, well, I'm trusting in him and I'm trusting in myself. Yeah. Well, no, not really. Not really. I'm just really only trusting in myself. Yeah, exactly right. You know, we're, we've got more to do, but, but we're also uh, halfway through the show and we like to break at this time and open up the telephone lines. Uh, and which is what we're doing. Our number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. We'd like to have you call in and ask your questions, make your comments, or maybe even you'd like a further clarification of part of what we've been talking about. And uh, while we are waiting for the phone calls to come in, we do have a message, our ministry message, that we would like to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This?, Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, 
Back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? Our guest is Ross Anderson, Pastor Ross Anderson from Alpine Church. And if you would like to contact him, if you have questions, or if you'd like to, to go to the church that he pastors, you can go to www.alpinechurch.org. Right, dot org. And we are inviting people to call in and, and ask questions, make comments, or even if you ha have uh, some more information that you would like to just be more clarified, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the phone number is 801-973-8820. Uh, so uh, please call in. We do have a couple of calls, it looks like, that are coming in, We so we have another line that's open for you. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 4, verses uh two through five, these are so good and speak specifically to the polygamist works of Abraham. Yeah, that's a good connection. Romans four is great. He's talking about how was Abraham right with God? What did Abraham have to do to be accepted by God? Mm -hmm. okay, so, and to put this into context, this is long before the law of Moses was given. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, and God's relationship to Abraham was based on his promise to him. Right. that he'd make him a great nation and, and that out of his seed the nations of the world would be blessed and so forth. And mm -hmm. he'd give him a land and different elements of the promise. So keep that in mind. It says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. In other words, he has something to boast about. Right. But not before God. Okay, maybe he would boast to others, but not before God. Right. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, his trust in God, God says, okay, that counts for righteousness. Right. Verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, if, you're, if you work for something, then what you get as a, re, as a result of what you work for is not a gift, it's an obligation. You've earned it. You've yeah. earned it. Mm -hmm. right? But to him that worketh not, but believeth, on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So again, he, he distinguishes working for something and trusting for something. And he says that the one who doesn't work the works but trusts in God, mm -hmm. then his faith counts as the righteousness, as righteousness. That, that God desires from people who are saved. So that's not a works righteousness, <clears throat> it's a faith Righteousness. Right, it's a, it's a right standing before God. With God, and that's all he requires. He doesn't require a list of good works to be accomplished. He only requires that. Mm -hmm. Now, Abraham has used an example in these verses, uh, and his example is of grace, not law. Like you said, the that's law right. wasn't given for what, or 450 more years, that's I right. think, mm -hmm. before the law was even given. So he can't have been justified by the law. Well, once upon a time, uh, uh, Abraham was living in Ur of the Chaldees. Mm -hmm. And one day he's worshiping the moon. He was a moon worshiper. Mm -hmm. He was an idol worshiper. And the next day, God calls him and, and calls him out of there and to go someplace else. So, so one moment he's a sinner, uh, not saved by grace, right. and the next moment he's a God follower, right. and, and he didn't do any works. He right. just responded. That's right. And yet when we get into Doctrine and Covenants 132, mm -hmm. and especially verse 32 where Joseph Smith says, Go ye therefore and do the works of Abraham. Enter ye into my law, and ye shall be saved. But if ye enter not into my law, ye cannot receive the promise of my father, which ye made to Abraham. 
And verse 34, God commanded Abraham and Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to wife. And why did she do it? Because this was the law. So Joseph Smith has turned it upside down. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, he's superimposing what he thinks is the law back. Uh-huh. And, and secondly, there's never in, in the Old Testament any kind of command of God to practice polygamy. Right. Absolutely not. And then, and then he makes the con- promise conditional, which mm-hmm. if you read in Genesis chapter 12 and 15 and places where the promise is enumerated, it's never a conditional promise. Right, it's all based right. on what God will do. Exactly, exactly. And another thing, too, is that promise was fulfilled in Christ. Right. And, and he wrote this 1,800 years after Christ mm-hmm. was born. So mm-hmm. the promise is not still valid in the sense that he's using it exactly. anyway. So when it says, go and do the works of Abraham, Genesis 15, 6 says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness, right. just like you read in Romans. Right. So in a sense... You could say, go do the works of Abraham. Well, that would be, go believe. Yes, Go absolutely. trust in God. That would be the work that Abraham did. That would he be the work. He trusted in God. Absolutely would be. So the works of Abraham is not polygamy, folks. It absolutely is not. It is faith in God through grace and salvation by grace alone. So we have uh, some calls here coming. Uh, line two, we have Chris calling from Layton. Hello, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Yes, good. We're on the air, or you're on the air. And what is your question? My question is for the pastor. I was wondering, you know, Mormons have a work-righteous system, so what do you think about using the law and evangelism, using the Ten Commandments to show them that they're actually guilty and that they actually deserve to go to hell? Like Paul said, he did not know what sin was if it wasn't for the law. Yeah, I think that, and, I think that approach has some validity. Um, now, I've seen it used in kind of a mechanical way where you can get a person to agree that you know, these, this is what the Ten Commandments say, but that doesn't mean they're convicted in their heart. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. But, but certainly, they, we were, as we were talking about before, they need to understand their need before they can understand grace. Mm-hmm. And, and so if they have to come up against the law to understand their need, then, then that's great. Uh, another, but God is also at work in people's lives. You know, John chapter 16 says the Holy Spirit is convicting people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And, and, and sometimes just God uses tough circumstances to bring people to their knees. So while I really agree with the idea of using the law to help people understand their need for grace, I don't think I would want to just use it in a mechanistic way, as if it's just a, only a technique. Yeah, well, it avoids the argument, though, because you're going right to the person's conscience instead of his uh, intellect. So you go right to his conscience, and his conscience confirms his guilt, and it actually avoids all the doctrinal arguments, like if Joseph Smith is right, if so-and-so is right, and you just get right to the conscience of the sinner to show him his need or, or his problem, and then he runs to the need. Like, uh, I think it's uh, in Galatians where Paul says, the law is the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that we might be justified by mm-hmm. faith. Sure. So I, I think the church has kind of forsaken using the law in evangelism. Don't you think? Well, well we, I, I see no, some people using it. No. I see people using yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you look at, if you look at the uh, messages of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, he used a variety of different methods. He didn't always argue first from the law. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's a discernment that takes place when I'm sharing Christ with someone. 
about, you know, he started in a different place with different audiences. Right. And, and it's always a good idea to ask God to meet the person that you're talking with at their need because God knows their need and we don't. And so he can bring to our heart and to our mind what we should say to this person that will meet him at that need. Sometimes it's not law. I needed to know God's love. I didn't need to know the law. I already knew that. I needed to know God's love. So each person is different and God knows the difference. Uh, all right, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks for calling. Mm -hmm. Okay, our next call is Brian from Bountiful. Hello, Brian. Hello, I was wondering um, when you're born again and you, you, don't, you look at sin differently and you don't want to do sin, what if you mess up and you do a bad sin, say you got really angry or you were passionate or something and you killed somebody or something, would you still be born again or what? What determines that? That's a wonderful question. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. are asking that, a question along those lines. Is it possible for me to continue in the grace of God even after I've sinned? And the answer is yes. I mean, um, now, I want to say, say one thing first, and that is I think people have misconstrued grace to believe that when we talk about the grace of God for salvation, that what we're really saying is you can go out and just live however you want to. You just pray a prayer, yeah. and then you can just li live however you want to, and you're good. You've got this fire insurance. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's not the nature of grace biblically. The Bible says that actually when you, when you truly understand grace, it changes your whole attitude, mm -hmm. and you want to obey God. You want to ser serve God because of the gift you've received. You're so grateful for it, and right. you recognize your need. And so people, you know, who... It's like uh, um, Peter, he, he said that he would die on the cross with Jesus. If Jesus went to the cross, he'd, he'd die with him. And Jesus told him he'd deny him three times. And he didn't even know that he knew that himself. Yeah, yeah. So God knows us better than we know ourselves. That's true. Yeah, God, God does. Mm -hmm. But, you know... Um, there's no sin that's beyond the power of Christ's redemption. That's right. All you know, sins are forgivable. The blood of Christ is able to cover every sin. And, um, you know, it, where would you draw the line? If it, if it wasn't that, where would you draw the line? Is, you know, murdering somebody outright, that's a heinous act. What if you murdered them accidentally? What if it was rape? What if you, you know, you could come down the list and somewhere, where do you draw the line where this one's covered and this one isn't? Right. You know, right. That, that doesn't make any sense. And you know, Brian, the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9 that when we do sin, if we confess our sins to Jesus and ask Him for forgiveness, that He will forgive us and He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that would be our response. A, a person who has been saved by the God, grace of God, and when we sin after that salvation experience, go to 1 John 1, 9, and you'll be able to find out what to do when you do sin. I think that's beautiful, and I don't see why anybody wouldn't want that. That's true. I don't for either. For themselves <laughs> and for everybody. Yeah. True. Good point. True. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. Mm, good night. Okay, we have Lenny calling from Ogden. Hello, Lenny. I uh, yes. Yes, you're on the air. Okay, I better turn it off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, you're on yes. the air. Uh huh. 
Uh, I just recently came out of Mormonism, and I got the information from you, so I wanted to thank you well, for that. Well, you're way welcome. I, I have a lot of questions because I'm just trying to catch up on all of the things that I've been taught wrong for many years. Uh-huh. And I recently read, it, and I'm confused about the Trinity. It says in this, thing I'm reading, the Trinity is nowhere taught in the Bible. It is not so much as even mentioned in either the Old or the New Testament. And I thought the Trinity was God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And I thought they were one. They are, and you know what, Lenny, the, trin the word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, but the concept of the Trinity is. Would you like to explain that to us? Yeah, we, it, it, you know, obviously um, the Trinity is a big topic because God is infinite. But again, uh, Doris's point is right. That word itself is not mentioned in the Bible, but the word Trinity is simply just a shorthand way of being able to talk conveniently about this larger biblical teaching. The Bible teaches that there's only one God period. And yet at the same time, the Bible teaches there are three persons, each of whom is God, mm -hmm. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. And so really the only way to put together everything the Bible teaches is to um, frame this idea that we call the Trinity, that God exists eternally in three persons, mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm -hmm. But there's only one God. That's only what we're one. trying to say. Only one and God. you know, it's challenging to get your head around that. Uh, but, but Lenny, you know, I just would tell you that we're excited about what God's doing in your life, mm -hmm. um, so let me you know. <laughs> let us know, and I can get a hold of you if you want me to. We have groups at Alpine Church that help people walk through that transition from leaving Mormonism into um, a healthy, biblically oriented faith in Christ. So, if you're interested. Uh, we'll find a way to contact you. Yeah, and you can go to alpinechurch.org and find out the the locations and phone numbers. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, well, you know, uh, leave your phone number. Leave your phone number, we'll and, give you a call. Yeah, somebody can get a hold of you and, and get you into a group to where you can understand these things. Well, Doris got me out of where I was, so I'm really thankful, and I just really want to... Learn the right things. Mm -hmm. and that's what we want that's you to right. do as well. Yep. Well, praise God, Lenny. Thanks for calling and letting Thank us know. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye. 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 Okay, line one, we have James calling from Sandy. Hello, James. Hello, how are you doing tonight, Doris? Oh, just great. How are you? Great. You're I'm on... just curious. I mean, when I hear about, when I, I studied the doctrine of being able to take upon yourselves the sins, I, I, I don't understand any of it. You don't understand taking upon ourselves or Jesus taking on himself our sins? Well, yeah, he, he's taken upon all our sins of the world, but we still have to have a little bit of works to do good when you think... But we can't do good because we're sinners. James, let me put it to you like this. Now, we're not saying that everyone should go out and become a criminal and, a, you know, and, and become you know, just a wicked person, but I'm, I'm saved by God's grace. That's the basis of my relationship with God. And then what happens is that then that leads to a life of good works. Mm -hmm. It's a difference between the root and the fruit. 
It's a difference between the cause and the effect. Now, what we're, what we're saying is that good works are not the cause of my relationship with God. They're the effect that comes out right, of my relationship after, with God. After. And, 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 you know, grace gives us the power not to sin. Right. People will, will argue and say, well, you think you can get saved and go sin all you want. But actually, as Ross mentioned earlier, uh, grace makes us with respond to, to want to please God. And it actually gives us the power not to sin. Not only the want to, mm -hmm. but also the power to say no to sin. Yeah, but this sounds like an awful like to me, like the same attitude of Allah and their respect for their God. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous to me. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, the Bible said that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So if it's foolishness to you, then you don't know your need for grace, like we mentioned earlier. You know, I don't claim to be an expert on Islam at all, but, but to me, as I understand Islam, Islam is about doing the right things in order to be right with God. I don't really see the, the kind of grace that we're talking about mm, no, in not Islam. In. There's, no, you know. there's no comparison to grace and the, the law of Islam. But no. I mean, there's no sense in saying that we are just saved by grace alone. There, there's no possible way that that's, that's possible. But we're James, James if, if God has a gift and he wants to give it, doesn't he have the right to give it however he wants to, however he chooses to do so? Who's that? God. Sure. Well, he, he wouldn't give us. He wouldn't just sit down here and say, "Oh, you can go and do whatever you want," and you're going to. He didn't say that, and that's what we've been talking about already. See, I, I know, I understand yeah. what you've been talking about, but there's no, there's no sense. There's not even a, if you study philosophy and, and the doctrines of men. I mean, there's no way that you can just live your life like you would like to, and then all of a sudden say, "Oh, I believe," and you're good. There's, there's no sense in that. Well, it's not just a verbal profession of, of believing certain things. It's entrusting sure. my whole life. Well, that's not what we're talking about. If that's what you think we're talking yeah. about, that, that's a misrepresentation. But it's like this. My daughter, she's not living the way I wish she would live in every respect, but she's still my daughter, and I'll never, she'll never stop being my daughter, and I'll never stop loving her. Well, uh, I, I understand that. That's, a, that's how God looks at us. So, James, I would suggest that you... expect something from me, daughter. You, you can't expect her to just live her life like that. I, do, I don't Never, expect, I, I'm not I don't expect anything from my daughter. I have daughter. no idea what that meant. But you just can't expect somebody to like, live their life foolishness and then come back and say, Oh, hey, now, I believe. Uh, so James, I'm cool. James, we... Not, we're coming to the end of our time, and so we need to um, to end the call. But you can call, you can leave your telephone number, and Pastor Ross can call you, and you can talk about this further if you'd like. Would you like to leave your phone number with the operator? Would love to. Okay, thank you. Okay, so we're down to the two-minute mark, and and so we need to wind this down. Uh, I hope he leaves the number and you can call him yeah, and explain this further. Yeah, that'd be great. That would yeah. be great. Thank you for uh, for sharing with us tonight, Ross. Thanks for coming. Well, thanks for having me. And you're welcome. It's, you're always welcome to the show. And um, my closing remarks, of course, is going to be what we've just talked about, that our culture seems to force people 
uh, in this culture to feel useless and unworthy because of failed or imperfect efforts to earn grace with both God and man. But the tragedy is that all of our efforts are worthless. We, we know many of our viewers, like the one we just listened to, our caller, will, will either ridicule that statement or they just plain are unable to understand it. After all, what is wrong with being the very best we can be? Well, you know, nothing is wrong with being the best that we can be, but the misunderstanding comes that people think our best has merit with God, but it doesn't. Only pure perfection can please a perfect God, and anything less than perfect is unacceptable to Him, and He'll reject it, and that's why we need His grace. No matter how hard we try to be worthy, it's only an exercise in futility. Works won't make us worthy, but Jesus Christ makes us worthy. Only Jesus makes us worthy. Our works will fail, but Jesus, our Savior, never never did fail, and so he gives his worthiness to us as a gift. And all we have to do is stop trying. Eternal life is totally from beginning to end a gift of God by grace. We can never be worthy. No matter how many wives you have won't make you worthy, or how many sister wives you have, or how many times you enter into celestial marriage. Self-worthiness is impossible, but God has his gift of grace ready to give to all who will recognize that they need it and who will humbly and in repentance receive his free gift. And because of that gift, we Christians say hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, because only the Lord is worthy of praise. Join us next week as we talk about seven brothers for one bride. See you then, and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.